All right, good morning. Um, yeah, and welcome. It's really great um, to see you. Um, so yeah, like Jim said, uh, I've been working with the church for the past 11 months um, as a pastoral assistant, which means I've just kind of been getting involved in almost every area of the church. Um, so it's been a really fun time and so much fun that I'm staying for another year. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm really happy-ish to be here. <laughs> And to be continuing our journey through Acts. Um, so the book of Acts is the story of the early church. And it begins with Jesus' ascension to heaven. From there, he sends his Holy Spirit. And we see the disciples being used in miracles and in healings. The disciples experience a lot of opposition. And we've reached a point where it gets even more interesting. We meet Saul, who is also known as Paul. Um, so we first meet Saul at the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 8, where it says Saul approved of their killing him. And to further explain what Saul's mission was, Acts three, 8 verse 3 says Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged both men and women and put them in prison. But plot twist, Saul meets Jesus. And I highly recommend going back and listening to Jeremy's incredible sermon on that from last week. Saul has a powerful encounter with Jesus and his life is radically changed. And this is where we are picking up this morning. So Rachel is gonna come and read the passage. <laughs> yeah. Rachel Foster is going to come and read the passage for us, um, and it should also appear on the screen. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is, this, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his, this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea, Caesarea sorry, and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's so much to be said about this passage, um, but today I want to draw out four things I think we can learn about living as a Christian. So those four things are, firstly, come as you are. 
Secondly, don't stay as you are. Third, get into community. And fourth, be a community. Okay, so firstly, um, come as you are. So verse 20, Saul has just met Jesus. And after his dramatic encounter, he spends several days with the followers of Jesus in Damascus. And then immediately, he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus. What really struck me about this is that Saul immediately began to preach. He was immediately stepping out and being used by God. He didn't wait until he had it all figured out. He didn't start 10 years down the line after sorting out his life enough so that only then preaching Jesus could be the priority. He just went. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he went. <clears throat> you don't have to be fixed to be used by God. We are all on a journey and we should not become complacent and stop seeking transformation, but we should, not, we should never allow our brokenness to get in the way of our availability to God. We are invited to come to God as we are with everything that we have, whatever that is. Saul was a Pharisee, and he was like the Pharisee to end all Pharisees. So he knew the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament, inside out. And he probably had some experience teaching. So his knowledge of the scriptures were what he had available to God. So he was used to preach and bring light to the passages of the scriptures that pointed to Jesus. I think that we are often too quick to disqualify ourselves. We will search and search for every reason as to why we can't do something. Or we think we don't have anything that God can use. I've been known to adopt both these attitudes, and what I'm learning is this. The more I spend time with and listen to God, the more I realize that these are lies we speak over ourselves, which are not from God, and which at the end of the day, stand in the way of the kingdom coming and God being glorified. So what is it that you have available to God as you are right now? Is there something that God has been nudging you about that you've been trying to push away? If you can sing, <laughs> God can use you. If you have a longing in your heart for seeing kids live in full joy, God can use you. And if you just love pouring people coffee, God can use you. And you're my favorite person to see on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Well, let's be honest, if anyone is likely to be disqualified or feel like they have nothing to offer Jesus, it has got to be Saul. He was killing the followers of Jesus, and now he's leading people to Jesus. <clears throat> if God can step in and use Saul with what he had immediately after his conversion, he can absolutely do the same for you, wherever you are in your journey. You don't have to be fixed to be used by God. So come as you are. Okay, secondly, don't stay as you are. We've established that Saul was a pretty awful person before he met Jesus. He was involved in some horrible acts and he approved of murders. He had a messy and rather shocking past. So when he started preaching about Jesus, instead of throwing those who did in prison, people were astonished. They were amazed. He just absolutely baffled people by his transformation. But you know what? 
people should be baffled by the transformation in our lives. It should be visible. The way we live should look a bit different. For example, being radically generous, or in my case, working without pay. <laughs> my life was pretty messy before I met Jesus. For those who don't know my story, I met Jesus somewhere along the journey of coming to church for the first time in September 2014, aged 18, and giving my life to Jesus in August 2015. My first year of university, which was 2013 to 14, was pretty rocky. I drank a lot and I partied a lot and I searched for a sense of worth and belonging in all the wrong places. The Christmas after I became a Christian, one of my work colleagues at Boots asked me how I managed to get out of working any Sundays in December. So in the run up to Christmas, they ask every staff member to work at least one to help with the Christmas shopping rush. When I told her it's because I have church, she just laughed at me. She was like, you, church. She even joked that she should give that one a go. <laughs> My actions in the workplace hadn't yet lined up to what I believed. The way I was at work didn't reflect my relationship with Jesus. I had stayed as I was. If people don't see a difference in us compared to others, if people are surprised that we go to church because of our actions, then maybe we need to ask ourselves, are we really letting Jesus transform our whole lives? I want to highlight that my transformation in my workplace has not been about behavior change. Yes, now my behavior has changed and my colleagues can't get me to shut up about church. <laughs> but it came around um, by a heart, heart change. It came out of spending time with Jesus. Heart change doesn't come just from making a decision to change and striving for different behaviors but comes from soaking in the presence of God and allowing his spirit to transform you. Transformation is never comfortable. Not staying as you are is not comfortable. But the joy waiting on the other side is not to be missed out on as you begin to walk in all that God has for you. Just a side note, if you're here and you're just sussing us out or you're in the early stages of your journey, Please don't hear this as you must immediately have it all sorted. Like I said before, come as you are to God and he will use you. Come to KV as you are and we'd love to welcome you. This is what God wants, but we need to be open to God doing his thing and changing us as he fills our lives with more and more of his presence. We want to be open to and seeking transformation and change lives. So come as you are but don't stay as you are. Number three, be in community. Again, I don't know your story, but I'm sure that there's some here whose story isn't all that far from mine. Before you were a Christian, maybe you made digs at your Christian friends, perhaps on a night out when they chose not to get drunk, or like me, sending in the most ridiculous questions to the Christian Union's text a toasty event just for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all the CU members of Albany Park 2013 who were on the receiving end of my flatmates and I. <laughs> all that to say, this is what Saul has going on, but on a much bigger scale. 
<laughs> so I imagine that the guilt he felt was so much bigger too. It can't have been an easy time for him, facing such a change in his life and then a whole bunch of opposition at the same time. We've spoken quite a bit about opposition recently. It comes up again and again in Acts and we're no strangers to it today. But I think it's important for us this morning is how Saul dealt with it. Verse 25 says, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. It was his disciples. He was in community. He was in a community of people who looked after him. So I'm telling you, be part of a community who looks after you. We love Sunday mornings. We really do. But we don't think that they're enough for this level of pastoral care. Home groups are Kingdom Vineyard's primary point of pastoral care. And if you're not in one, I really encourage you to get stuck in. It's in these smaller groups that we can really look out for one another. We notice when someone's having a rough time. We pray consistently for each other and can check on how things are going. Home groups are where you'll be looked after and then lowered down in a basket through an opening in the wall if you need to be. <laughs> and I know what I'm like. If I'm having a bad week, I need other people around me to remind me about Jesus and point me back to him and what he is like. I need people to act as a living signpost to him to keep me focused on Jesus. I am much less likely to wander away if I'm surrounded by people who keep pointing me back. And it's in the smaller setting of a home group where we can really do this for one another. So be like Saul and get into community. Now I want to talk about being a community. So this is point four. It is our responsibility to be the kind of community that we want to be in. And Saul's arrival into Jerusalem from verse 26 onwards gives us a good and a bad example of community. Saul has escaped from Damascus and has arrived in Jerusalem in the hopes of joining the disciples. But when he arrived, they were afraid of him and doubted that he really was one of them. My initial reaction is always, well, you can't blame them really. Saul was on a mission to get all the Christians in prison and now he wanted to join them. It does sound a bit fishy and I'm not sure I would want to welcome him into my community either. But I think this is such a challenge to the church. Are we as a church and as individuals in the church prone to acting like the disciples when someone turns up at our door, someone who looks a bit different, maybe has a messy background, maybe we have even heard of the destruction that they've left in their pathway? Are we doing what we are called to do and loving that person into community, opening up the gates for them to walk into relationship with us and a relationship with Jesus? Are we being a community that allows people to come as they are? We are called to provide a space for people to come in as they are, and we are called to take risks on people as God has taken risks on us. And I actually think we are pretty good at this. But do people know that? I think we do really well at welcoming newcomers on a Sunday morning. 
The number of new people that I have spoken to who've said that they felt right at home when they walked through our doors is just a beautiful testimony to that. But people need to know that they are welcome before they even walk through our doors. So how can we as individuals be letting those around us know that they are welcome here? And I think that is the challenge to us. So the disciples here are an example of how not to do community. But then we meet Barnabas, who I think represents community done well. Barnabas is known for being an encourager. He was actually given the name Barnabas by the apostles because it means son of encouragement. Barnabas takes Saul to the apostles and tells them of his transformation and encounter with Jesus. He testifies on Saul's behalf of how he came to Jesus as he was, but didn't stay as he was. He puts his arm around him, encourages him, and calls out gifting and preaching fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas builds him up, which allows Saul to continue to preach boldly in Jerusalem. There is so much power in this kind of community. I know a Barnabas, and his name is Andy Fearon, and he's one of the senior pastors at Carlisle Vineyard. Every six months, the leaders of the Scottish Vineyards come together for a training day, and I've had the privilege of getting to go to these this year. In March, I find myself sat in a circle with a handful of other pastors, including Andy, and he just starts asking me all these questions and calling things out in me, and I really hate being in the spotlight. So this was a massively uncomfortable thing, but in hindsight, I'm really grateful for the things he said, and for the encouragement that he poured out. That evening is one that I have stuck a flag in as significant to my growth because actually it was that night and through Andy that God really spoke to me about preaching. Andy to me represents the power of community and the power of encouragement and calling out gifting. And what followed was this. I went to God as I was with all of my insecurities and with all the reluctance that I carry. And I had a choice to make. I made the choice to not stay as I was, but to accept, but to accept God's call into his invitation into preaching. Not staying as I was looked like paying attention to what I felt God saying and actively deciding to put down my biggest fears and allow God to work through me. I'm not naturally inclined to move out of comfort zones. I don't enjoy the adrenaline rush, and I'm really stubborn. <laughs> I managed to say no to exploring preaching for seven months. <laughs> so saying yes to God required a change of heart and required me to not stay as I was. It was incredibly uncomfortable and one of the hardest things that I've done but it was incredibly liberating. There is so much freedom and joy in transformation, especially in the context of a community who keeps encouraging me and keeps calling things out in me. I want us to be a community of Barnabases, a community of people who are open to newcomers and welcoming to everyone, no matter what their background. A community who calls out gifting in each other, 
and encourages each other. I want us to be a community of people who come to God again and again as we are and are committed to not staying as we are and a community who helps others to do the same. There is so much power in community. So finally, verse 31. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So because of the radical change in Saul, because he came to God as he was but didn't stay as he was, and because of the power of community, there was peace, there was encouragement, and there was growth. So let's be a community now, and as we move into prayer ministry, let's get alongside each other, whatever our need. Why don't you stand and I'll pray. Father, thank you that we can come to you as we are. Thank you that you use us amongst our mess. Holy Spirit, would you come now and do whatever you want to do. Come and fill us with your presence that transforms us.